0: That's what makes us tough. But We keep a coming. We're the people that live. They can't wipe us out, they can't lick
1: us. The change has started, and the change in Detroit is real.
2: We're back! Yeah, 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 yeah. Detroit, Michigan.
3: Here, you can actually see what you do affect a great American city, and it's, it's hopefully historical comeback.
1: Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Hi, this is Paul W. Smith with you Monday through Fridays from 6 till 9 and then on these very special broadcasts where we'll welcome in Jason Tinsley, Managing Director, Market Manager, JP Morgan. Veronica Scott stopping by, the CEO of the Empowerment Plan. Think coats and sleeping bags all in one. And then finally, Mark Hollis, the COO of Rock Ventures. It's all about Opportunity Detroit and it's all happening right now detroit
2: michigan
1: as we begin this segment of opportunity detroit mark hollis alongside the coo of rock ventures mark nice to see you always always great to be with you paul W. well thank you for the support without you we wouldn't have the show and uh, we appreciate doing
3: it it's it's good for the city it's great for WJR and it's great for uh, rock all of that
1: yep. is true about opportunity Detroit it really is good for the city uh, and for a lot of reasons we meet lots of industry people like Jason Tinsley the managing director market manager of JP Morgan Jason nice to have you on opportunity Detroit.
2: well absolutely uh, glad to be here uh, first time in person long-time listener so this is awesome Thanks. well for me.
1: it's awesome it's awesome for us And, uh, uh, you know, you're a proud uh, Central Michigan University graduate.
2: Fire up chips. Fire up chips. (laughs) Uh,
1: And that makes Judge uh, Fred Mester, who I hope is listening, uh, very, very happy. You don't get a bigger booster at uh, CMU uh, than the uh, judge. Uh, Nice to have you here. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, J.P. Morgan's involvement in what we're all involved in, and that is, reimagining, rebuilding, regrowing Detroit.
2: Absolutely. And just like Mark, and I love Rocket Mortgage. We're great partners. Uh, Opportunity Detroit makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm a lifelong Detroiter, born and raised on the west side. Went to University of Detroit, Jesuit High School and Academy, Central Michigan, as you just mentioned, and came back home and always wanted to be here in Detroit to make a difference. I was fortunate to to join on to J.P. Morgan earlier in my career, and I've been here for 20 years this September. Oh, wow took over as market chair from uh, John Carter, my predecessor, about two years ago. Um, I run our private bank division, but I'm glad to be at the helm for the entire Bank for Michigan. And it's been an absolute blast to bring these lines of business together to not, not only impact our clients, but to take all that we do there and then be able to help the community, which is why we're here at Mackinac. And it's just been a blast to be up here to connect with all of our community partners, specifically uh, Rocket, which is probably one of our top partners when it comes to just the collaboration for the stuff that we
1: do in the city. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, Jason Tinsley, Managing Director, Market Manager J.P. Morgan, uh, nobody's here by accident. You're here for a reason, and it's got to be the support that you offer Rock Ventures, and Rock Ventures offers you. And Mark Hollis, nobody knows that better than you.
3: Well, where I, I really got to know Jason very well, from day one, he was part of the board for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, the PGA Tour event that takes place at the Detroit Golf Club, and his, his input, his collaboration with the board um, has been incredible, and it's, it's just kind of one of the things that, that J.P. Morgan steps forward in a big way in the city of Detroit and just has a, has a big impact. It's more than sport. It, it's about impacting the city of Detroit. Yeah, but I was so glad when, they, when I got the phone call to get involved at the board level
2: uh, with Jay Ferner and the rest of the team and Mark. And listen, to have this great opportunity, to use the word, uh, to have the PGA Tour stop in Detroit, uh, it's meant the world to children, uh, to, to all of our citizens of southeastern Michigan to know that Detroit matters. Detroit's important, and for something as established as the PGA Tour, for it to say... Detroit is one of our stops. Uh, I had to be a part of it. I I don't
1: say this lightly, and I hope, Mark, you and the the team there don't get tired of it, but you really changed the way the PGA looks at these tournaments because of what you did. Because you said from the beginning, and Jay Farner said, and Dan Gilbert said, we don't want to just be a golf tournament. We want to be something that makes a major impact on our community. No, I'm and glad. bridging the digital divide and keeping people in their homes not losing them because of late taxes or any number of other defaults uh, that's a big deal and i'm glad you mentioned dan and, and jay's name because it really was their
3: inspiration that if if a tour event was coming back to the state of michigan it had to be in the city of detroit it was then with that initiative of how do you fill in the pieces to make it make it happen east lake in atlanta is the closest example 30 years ago of what we're attempting to, to replicate here, it's bringing in not only the tour players, but the media, CBS, Golf Channel, where they get the eyes on on the city of Detroit, and then it's what happens after the tournament's over, Jason, with with uh, the digital divide and what, what we discovered there as a board of, of what we
2: could do positively. Right, it's a beautiful thing to know that once all the expenses are paid out, the money that we have left, we give right to our community partners to make sure that they can go about supporting um, everything that we just talked about to make the community better. So, it's a win-win for every for the community. It's a win-win for uh, the citizens of Detroit.
1: Yeah, there's no
3: question about that. No question, and and inspired, you know, by Dan and, and Jay, always has the statement in the board meetings. We have to impact the outcome. It's constantly looking for ways. That, that we can put on a world-class event, but also really make a difference in the lives of, of young Detroiters, old Detroiters, uh, just everybody who lives, works and plays in the city. But, but let me give you compliments to this too. Uh, this was important. When we even
2: looked at the vendors and the people that were going to actually support um, the putting up the, the actual Classic, we were intentional in making sure that it reflected the community of Detroit. We were intentional in making sure that when we looked and put stuff out to bid, that people in Detroit got a chance to bid on that and to be a part of the benefit of, of whatever came from, the, um, from, from, from having the
3: Classic. So that was amazing, too. And the PGA Tour recognized that. In our first year, we were the most um, awarded PGA Tour event on the tour, which is never happened before it, it nope. you know we won the diversity award we won the the best event award with with area 313 so i'm glad you brought that up because it is an, an integral part of of our planning and execution
1: absolutely and and since i mean our, our listeners can hear we're not in a quiet uh, uh studio we're out in the open we happen to be uh, taping this at uh, this year's uh, Mackinac Policy Conference, Greater Detroit Regional Chamber. So let me ask you, uh, Jason Tinsley, uh, what what you are looking forward to most at this year's Mackinac Policy Conference.
2: Just the connectivity to, the, to, the, to our partners, um, both on the community side, but obviously it's an election year. So we want to make sure that we're intentional about listening to what's important to the community from the politicians, but also making sure that we're addressing things that we think are critical to doing business in Michigan, in Southeastern Michigan, and that we're at the table to to be a better partner and maybe be a conduit or a vessel to all the things that are needed in the community. On Thursday, I know this is being taped, but I'll mention on Thursday, we actually have a whole panel on workforce diversity and equity uh, to create the Michigan Competitive Edge. And great guests, including Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist Tammy Golden from uh, General Motors, and Dana Williams, who works for Detroit at Work. I get to moderate that panel and I'm uh, excited about the outcomes or the conversations that can lead to outcomes um, to make sure that, back to the word intentionality, that we're looking for ways to get people employed and keep them employed, irrespective of whatever their backgrounds were, irrespective of uh, if they had you know, maybe a record record, and it kept them from getting ahead. We want to be intentional about how we look to get them the resources and skills that they need to get employed. Because there's plenty of jobs available. we got to get, get people work ready.
1: I don't want to put words in your mouth. But that being said, um, I would think Jason Tinsley, on behalf of J.P. Morgan, and I would think Mark Hollis, on behalf of Rock Ventures, you both find this to be a very useful gathering to get something things accomplished get some needs well known by everyone mark
3: well, i think relationships are the name of the game no matter what what line of work you're in or what line of business that that you're conducting and to be able to see people face to face and have casual conversation that exudes into something that that's much more concrete once we get back to our to our workplaces These points of connection um, are critical for the the vibrancy of Detroit, the state of Michigan, and beyond. Right. I mean, you got to think about this. You can come up
2: here, you can see somebody for five minutes and get a more structured meeting set up back home in Detroit. But also what I love about it, no emailing, no texting. It's just face-to-face interaction. When's the last time? It's been two and a half years. No Zoom.
1: (laughs) I'm going to throw in this one, too. I've used it before. No running and hiding.
3: No running and hiding, right? You know, right. you're here. Everybody has to get along up here, you are and here. they are.
1: <laughs> and 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 when forced to get along, I'm sorry, I have to put it that way. But when forced to get along, it's pretty good to see things people happen. get along. And when then when get you done. get along, things do happen. Yeah. So it's all good. Now, Jason, what about for the uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic? Tell me about your role there.
2: Oh, I'm excited as a board member and a sponsor. Uh, I get to have. On, uh, our chalet is on the 18th hole, right next to our Rocket partners, so we get to be a part of the full experience. We bring our clients out, we bring community partners out to really experience the full golf outing. Um, I'm a member of Detroit Golf Club, so that makes me feel even more proud, proud too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I see the, all the hard work that our members come in as, and they volunteer to make sure that everybody has a first-class experience. I mean, we are talking people of every background who just become volunteers on those five days to make sure that anybody who walks um, off a passenger train into our golf club feels special. And it makes me special to be a part of it. Well,
1: you know what? Because it is such a special event, again, going back to Dan and Jay and you, Mark, and everybody there at Rocket, realizing it's more than just a bunch of people coming to play golf, which is pretty good. Absolutely. And it's worked for a lot of people, a lot of places, but here it's different. There's going to be a lot of good that comes out of what is also fun to just go and experience by it, going to the Rocket Mortgage Classic. It really
3: is, not it's part of just a spectacular summer in Detroit. There's so many things from, I know you're a big supporter of the Jazz Festival As and, and everything else. It's it's part of something that's just great in Detroit.
1: We're excited uh, about the uh, Chevrolet Detroit uh, Grand Prix this uh, weekend. presented by, by Lear. Uh, right. Last time, last on, time the on the island. And millions of dollars of improvements on the island left behind by Roger Penske, Bud Denker, and the whole team, Penske. People don't remember that. A lot of people complain, well, we have to give up for two weeks this or that or whatever. Millions of dollars of improvements that stay behind. Forget about the Scott Fountain. It just wouldn't be around. And for the money invested by these guys to get it to work again. That's right. And make it work. So it's all good. Final words, Jason, anything?
2: No, again, just thank you for having me. I love to uh, share the message to all the great things that we're trying to do to impact the community at J.P. Morgan Chase. We're closing out our seventh year of our 200 million dollar commitment to uh, workforce development, financial literacy, uh, community improvements, and you know many more things to come. And just you know, wait for that updates coming soon.
1: Jason Tinsley, Managing Director, Market Manager, J.P. Morgan. And, of course, Mark Hollis is with us, and throughout the program, COO of Rock Ventures and co-host of this special edition of Opportunity Detroit. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit with Mark Hollis along our side, we say hi to an old friend who just reminded me I first interviewed her when she was in college which I would have guessed you still were in college.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll take the compliment. (laughs) She
1: is the woman that made national and international news a number of years ago, which is probably why we were talking a number of years ago, when she designed a coat, a winter coat, that could be a sleeping bag, Mm -hmm. which was an amazing invention, sadly needed by many. Yes. And I'd love to say we don't need them any longer, but I cannot say that.
0: No, the need has only gone up.
1: And this is Veronica Scott, the CEO of the Empowerment Plan. So what have you been up to (laughs) since then?
0: Since then, since we started, uh, it is wild to think that we're 10 years old now. So this was a class project in college, and now it is a whole organization based in West Village of Detroit, and we have made over 65,000 of these coats, distributed them across the entire U.S. and now 21 other countries to those in need. And we've employed over 100 individuals and helped them move out of the shelter within the first few weeks of working with us. And And
1: it's got to be very clear, Veronica Scott, that you don't just help them move out because they made enough money making coats, uh, Mm -hmm. turning them into coats and and sleeping bags. You taught them skills, life skills they Mm -hmm. didn't have. Mm -hmm. And they take those on to be successful human beings.
0: And you have to look at it, like you said, it's like a holistic thing. It's not just about giving a person the paycheck or the home. There's so much when you've been raised in a shelter or generational poverty and homelessness, it's about the mental health. It's about the physical health. It's about the emotional health. There's a lot of things that we do that's on paid time. So people are getting paid to work with us and make coats but also get their GED, also get their driver's license, also go to domestic violence support group, because all those things are critical. That's what's going to trip you up in a few years at the next job, which we love to help people graduate and move on into incredible job opportunities in the community, which is, it's so exciting to see people not only moving out of the shelter into, you know, these other jobs, but also buying their own homes. Like, it's just, that's an incredible thing to be able to be a part of. And the coats are a vehicle for us to do that.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm. Truly amazing, Mark. And I know you heard of the story. <laughs> I've heard the story and I've heard Veronica's name
3: from Dan and Jennifer Gilbert and Laura and so many times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the first
3: time I've been blessed to meet. And, and before we came on the air, the five minutes of, of your conversation about what you do, the passion you have for it is infectious. It, it, it's amazing in the part that you just described that it, it's not only the product, it's the life that, mm-hmm. that you're delivering to, to people that need it desperately. They're with you for two years, you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, spending time not only in the production side, but really how to advance their lives.
0: Exactly. And I think the last two years has shown us a lot. You know, what I really hope with this, this conference is to talk about the impact that COVID has had on our most vulnerable. Like, what, what has been changing? Because the numbers aren't out yet, but we are seeing massive ripple effects of people not being able to get in shelters because they're backlogged, and you know, the rise in domestic violence and all of these things. So there's a lot that we've learned, and this is a deeply personal project for me. I grew up in a situation of homelessness and poverty with my own family. So when you look at like, the services, this is what I wish my, my mom had been given. How, how
3: do people go about supporting what you're doing? Is, it, is the, Are the doors open for folks to come in and see and, and experience what's happening? And, and then where does that support come and what's needed as we move forward?
0: You know, it's it's amazing the support has come from across the globe, which is something we never expected to happen. And so people can, you know, find us online and, and support, sponsor a lunch, sponsor Bus pass, you know, sponsor a coat for somebody in need, uh, and there's also ways to come in. Like we've had companies come in and learn how to sew alongside our team as a way to kind of build their team leadership, which is amazing.
1: Uh, it, it, if you haven't been there, Mark, you should go. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went there, I was stunned at everything that was going on there, mm-hmm. beyond just making the coats. Yeah. The facility, spotless. I thought. I said at the time out loud. Roger Penske would love this place, because you know how fastidious Roger is. Dan Gilbert would love this place, yeah. because the organizational skills that Veronica has shown is why she's the youngest recipient of the John F. Kennedy New Frontier Award and the JFK Library Foundation and Harvard University. She received an Idea Gold Award from the Industrial Design Society of America, the People's Voice Award from the Diane von Furstenberg, one of Forbes 30 under 30. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous. And and, and it begs the question, where do you go from here? What's your long-term goal or plan?
0: So it's, as we hit 10 years of impact, it's a very weird number to think about that the last decade of my life, all my 20s and, and has been dedicated to this. And now we have an incredible team. You know the incredible staff. Like the executive team comes from, you know, HR director from the city of Pontiac to individual that have been with Focus Hope for a decade. So we're bringing in a lot of knowledge, and we're doing the strategic plan right now for the next ten years. Yeah. And part of that is how do we scale? The demand is higher than ever. We have eight thousand people on a waiting list for coats. We have. You know, we're already almost sold out for the year we have now partnered with housing programs and housing first programs across the city and they're sending more and more people to us because they see us as a viable part of the solution in the community we're not just a coat project anymore they see us as i want to help somebody that's struggling from to get from homelessness to stability i'm going to send them to empowerment plan so e- how do we grow that
3: as you've evolved from as you mentioned the coat kind of theory to this full platform of services. Mm-hmm. Who do you listen to? How do you develop the breadth, the the width of services that you're going to provide? Is it is it coming from the beautiful people that you serve? Is it coming from supporters? Everywhere. I just I'm curious how you go about creating the strategic plan. That's going to grow into the future
0: that's such a good question it is about constantly listening actively seeking the information from the people that we serve whether it's the individuals we hire whether it's the people that we send codes to around the globe um i think we're always getting feedback and then also we look at national models for workforce development and homelessness alleviation across the country so we're always in contact with okay so what is what is San Francisco doing that we're not doing? What is like Buffalo, New York doing? Like what are these cities doing that we can learn from and bring? Cuz there's so many great organizations out there. We don't always have to reinvent the wheel.
1: No, and certainly they're coming to see what it is you're doing because you have been so amazingly successful and effective in changing lives.
0: Yeah. They've we've had a lot of people come our way for the same thing and it's great to share information like that. Like we've Seen, we track vulnerability over time with people, and to see how that long-term success over two years, we can see it track out in data. And so, it's really great to now have people coming in and saying, "Let's share this information."
1: You're one of the keynote speakers, which yeah. is pretty exciting, <laughs> very, pretty fabulous. Uh, again, you are very young, uh, but Thanks. what what kind of messaging are you hoping to convey to this audience? What are you looking for?
0: Well, I think. You know, this is an incredible opportunity. I feel honored that I'm speaking at all. And to keynote is huge. And I think it's also to talk about, we're talking about policy, but how does that affect, like I said, the most vulnerable population, the people that get overlooked a lot and that don't really get represented very much. What are we seeing? What have been the effects of the last two years? We, on our team, went from like 40% experiencing domestic violence to 100% experiencing domestic violence the last two years. So what are the things, you know, now that eviction moratorium has lifted, how does that affect the homeless numbers? Like, how does that affect people that are displaced? So this is some of the things I really am looking forward to talking about.
1: Especially tough for you through the pandemic.
0: It's been, yeah, it's been tough for everybody we serve. You know, I think no matter how much money we saw somebody made everybody's vulnerability went up, which meant their mental health, their physical health, their emotional well-being just was hit so hard. And so it's been very difficult, especially now with inflation and affecting directly the individuals that are, you know, just getting that first job or getting the first few paychecks, that's, that's hitting them hard, you know, trying to fill up your gas tank. It's tough.
1: And, and you know, Mark, for us, in our businesses, we just told people to stay home. And we were able to do our jobs from home. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do that.
0: You know, I was really, really proud of my team. Uh, They're just incredible individuals that like we first shut down for two months. We never laid anybody off. We were able to keep everyone employed. And when we came back online, we started producing hospital gowns and isolation gowns for DMC. And so a group of people volunteered to come in when no one else was coming in to make these gowns every day for hospitals. And we did that for months. It was incredible. I never even heard that. I I never knew. That was one of the things that we did early on to respond, because how many times are you getting a call to action for sewers? That's not a big thing. (laughs) That doesn't (laughs) happen very often. Everybody, we need everyone that can sew. And I was like, okay. And a group, a whole team was like, we'll volunteer. We have cars. We can come into work safely. We have somebody to watch our kids. We're going to come in and do this. And so. That was huge. And we've been very, you know, knock on wood, been doing very well since then as an organization. It's just been trying to meet that growing demand.
1: And so tell me then, Veronica, what it has meant to you personally mm-hmm. to have these mostly women mm-hmm. come up to you and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to thank you. Mm-hmm. You've saved my life.
0: It's it is a, I like chills just thinking about it it's a very it's a privilege and an honor to like get to have that kind of impact on somebody and i think to not take it lightly and you know we have somebody that was one of the first people that ever hired she is now on our board and she comes in and like the work that she's doing now and like she came through for a tour and was like this is insane and so to be able to see that journey with somebody and to be a part of that is just an honor. Like, I feel lucky that I get to do that every day and then figuring out how we do it for more people.
1: It's amazing, isn't
3: it, Mark? It is. There are examples across Detroit. I mean, this is so inspiring, but as I think of things like Isaac and the work that they do, uh, Che Pope with music has come in and Mm. started workshop. Uh, The Apple Developer Academy, creating opportunity for Mm. Detroiters with coding and and starting a business. It's It's teaching more about The one that aligns with you the most is is an individual named D. Wayne Edwards, Mm -hmm. who is with Pencil. Um, He designed the Air Jordan, and he's brought his craft to Detroit to teach Detroiters how to design footwear, how to design apparel, Mm -hmm. and he's someone I would love to introduce you to because I think the collaboration with all those groups that in the end are doing the same thing. It's creating opportunities for Detroiters to become better and more vibrant in the city would be a, a great platform to just just pull together and, and brainstorm.
0: I love that. And the more that we work together, the more that we can, you know, each focus on what we do best. Like the population that we serve is different than the population that they serve, but if we're working together, there's a lot of shared information.
1: Correct. Veronica Scott, the founder, chief executive officer of the empowerment plan, think coats that turn into sleeping <laughs> bags because that's how she'll always be remembered. Call
0: me the coat lady come the on coat the lady. coat lady that's she's <laughs> the coat
1: she's the coat lady and as you could hear so much more thank you veronica for thank what you you're for doing for me. being with us
0: of course thank you for having me
1: it is our pleasure as we continue on opportunity detroit Finally, on Opportunity Detroit, we get to spend a little time with Mark Hollis. Uh, He'll be sitting in from time to time. I hope you will sit in from time to time on the show. Whenever Ann calls, I'm here. All right. I know you're a busy fellow. Uh, uh, Mark is a busy fellow as the chief operating officer for Rock Ventures. He's uh, tying the threads together among the 100-plus companies in Dan Gilbert's family of companies or portfolio. Delivering value to those companies located in Detroit, Cleveland, Charlotte, Phoenix, and other family of companies' communities. And uh, we've known Mark a long time. In another lifetime, in fact. And uh, I hope you're loving this lifetime.
3: I, I really am. It's the opportunity that Dan and uh, and Jay have provided uh, for myself has been incredible. And I, I love, I've always loved the city of Detroit, so to be able to live, work, and play right in the heart of it um, has been a blessing over the last few years and uh, you know I feel like we're making some some great strides in, in what's happening down there of not only the, the impression for those of us that are fortunate enough to live in Detroit but the visitors that come in and, and can experience it in a different way and that's through music and culture and sports and the activities that are coming the, the Mackinac policy conference, Uh, has been and i think we're going to look back on this one as one that's extremely positive arn tellum has done an incredible job as the chair Mm -hmm. kicking it off with with an amazing golf event that uh brought folks together that normally aren't together for a fun nine holes and then throughout the 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 entire conference it's this relationship it's people bumping into each other and talking face to face and it's it's something that's desperately needed. I think we, we need to get back to the workforce. Um, having a little bit more of this relationship, you're better at brainstorming and, and creating ideas and, and advancing the ball down the field. And uh, so it's been a blessing to be at, at the Mackinac Policy Conference. And I think from it, good things are gonna come out.
1: And, and you know, um, it, there are a lot of blessings. We just finished the Movement Festival. That may not have been something that you or I went to, but a lot of people, millennials, whatever, call them what you will, a lot of people went to it not just from our Detroit area, but from all over the country. They show up at these things. And what I'll never get tired of is the positive reaction people give Detroit now, especially those who've never been here before, maybe didn't know what to expect, or frankly, expectations have been so lowered that they were shocked to see how great this city is and that how great we are at throwing events. It really
3: is, and I don't have a choice on movement. I hear it whether I want to or not. It rattles off my <laughs> windows, so it's you know, and it's all good. But what's what's positive is you can't get into a restaurant, you can't give food, and you know you want to complain about that, but you can't. The reason is the city is is vibrant when those events roll in, and it really has been, you know, most every weekend, Thursday through Sunday, you're seeing activity. You know, quick story on visitors coming in. We had the NCAA basketball committee. Uh, Made a visit and looking at future sites and the comments that they make or the concerns that they have about the city and watching it Pivot while they're here live to this is incredible. I had no idea. I haven't been here in in over a decade Um, So those comments are reflecting on the gradual change that we see over days How it impacts somebody that hasn't been here for a long time and the good that's being done
1: It's really a good point and it's important to note and, and and for that matter Um, with the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear coming back downtown is going to be a tremendous impact to the downtown area, the city. And the the NFL draft in 2024 is a huge deal. And you guys had a big hand in bringing that to Detroit. Really did. And I want to, you know, give props out to Bud
3: Denker and, and Roger Penske and the whole team over there. The events that Detroit has, whether it's the Jazz Festival or Grand Prix and beyond, should never be taken for granted. There there are things that are annual. um, There are things that that many people love, and and you can't get tired of them. There's something new happening all the time at at each one of these annual-type events. I think bringing it back downtown, I I don't think I missed one of the F1 races that took place through the streets of Detroit back in the 80s, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be that energy that comes back. You know, we all looked at the Grand Prix as when it was on the island, it it might as well have been in Mackinac City um, because it's so far disconnected from town. Now, the businesses that are downtown are going to thrive. They made sure that there are areas on the track that are going to be free to the public so Detroiters can experience it. There's so much good that's going to come out of you know Bud and Roger's vision to bring it back downtown.
1: Everything that we have planned, I should point out, everything that we're talking about has certain moments, elements, sections that are free it, to detractors. And
3: when you go to the NFL draft, um, it'll be in 2024. Um, the entire event is free. It's it's everything that you see, the excitement, the energy of watching these you know young college kids become professionals at their craft in, in football, it's a free opportunity. And, and I was fortunate to go out to Vegas and, and Cleveland the year before um, and see what it has. And, and again, having visitors from all these NFL cities, you know, 600,000 of them um, experience what this is like and what the city is like is going to be a positive. There are things we need to do um, as a city, as you know, private companies to prepare for it to come in so that the showcase is incredible but the public part of it where the commissioner comes up stands on stage he gets those rhetorical boos when he when he arrives (laughs) that'll take place in campus marshes and if you can imagine fans from all over the place down woodward down uh cadillac square down uh, monroe it's just going to be quite a setting in the city of detroit fox theater is going to be part of it that's where the the actual draft that's kind of behind the scenes takes place and Woodward's gonna become a gateway a red carpet uh, pathway so to speak to the main stage and there'll be festival music and, and things happening all over the city so it's it's gonna be an exciting one-time event and um, we're blessed to have so much support across the city for it.
1: And the Commissioner's Hug Fest something always to look forward to. The, the Commissioner's he, Hug Fest. Does, yeah. Does every, anyone know how that started?
3: I think one of the guys I do re- recall one of the guys came up and, and kind of did it in a whimsical way and then it became
1: everybody then the
3: tradition now yeah. everybody gets their pitcher with a
1: hug <laughs> It's so. so funny I love it and let's not forget uh, some of the oldies but goodies uh, for example the Detroit Gold Cup races right again free right it, it, you can I mean you, they have seats that they sell and all of that but you can still watch it from along the river and not pay a penny and those folks they should get an award for for sticking to it because they've gone through hell every it is, year it seems it is and it's hard to charge for
3: some i recall my former boss who was the ad at michigan state at one time joe kearney was the ad at washington and rowing at washington attracted more fans than football and he said the only problem i had is i couldn't charge admission for it because i couldn't protect the riverside that uh, that they rode down but it's you know, I do. I, it's every weekend. There's something. You know, throughout the week, there's there's great things happening. And you bring up, you know, the jazz festival is something that, Another that good I absolutely one. love. And yeah. So many great traditions. The world's
1: largest free jazz festival. The world's whole thing is free. Right. You don't right. have to find a special place to be. Yep. Yeah.
3: And the parade company and w- the, the things that Tony does. Oh With, boy. with the fireworks as well as you the know, the fireworks,
1: Day. you've got the. America's Thanksgiving Parade with Gardner White. I mean, the the list goes on and on. The Ford Hobnobble gobble. Right. There's so many great things that happen in and around the city of Detroit. We should never take any of them for granted. And be proud that there are many cities that don't have all of these things. Proud that we do. That's true. And it's, you know, as we
3: continue to look at Detroit and and where we can make impact, you know, across the entire city, not just the downtown corridor, um, these events have the opportunity to really create growth to create um, some strength and support and that's that's taken place i was you know being on the NSA basketball committee i had the opportunity to see how cities go about approaching um, hosting these events and i was on the committee when detroit made some pitches and the pitches were very fragmented um, it was there was not uh, a sense of uh, harmony um and you don't see that anymore you see a very connected positive and claude uh, molinari and dave beach now have really impacted the sports side of it uh the mayor has been phenomenal of making sure that the city is aligned so when, when you're an outside entity you want one one person to work with and in the past you had to deal with 20 different people mm. and that was cumbersome so the, the structure's now in place, um, the support's in place, and, and good events are happening like the Rocket Mortgage Classic, the draft, and, and all the traditional ones we've had.
1: Mark Hollis, serving as the Chief Operating Officer for Rock Ventures, and you just again mentioned the Rocket Mortgage Classic. What are some of the new additions to this year's event?
3: Well, the biggest change is is the year, the uh, time of year. It's it's moving to the last week of July, and it's going to create some, some good opportunities for us in that. Um, Players, the the tour players who are independent contractors and can choose where they want to play, um, it, it opens up a window for us to attract some of the some of the better players. They're also going to be chasing FedEx Cup points at that at that time of year. So, those that want to move their way up and and get into the to the field, that's going to be a positive for us. On the course, you're going to see some dramatic changes for fans. We've we've broken down the central fan zone and we've put smaller ones in different parts of the course, more where the fans are already located over in Area 313. So you're going to see different versions of, of areas where you can step away from the action and kind of relax and have fun and then get back into it um, where you want. But the Detroit Golf Club has been phenomenal in, in helping with the setup. The, the uh, Believe it or not, uh, we've already started building the city out there, the, the infrastructure that it takes to um to host the event and um, jason langwell and his team are doing just a phenomenal job so we're seeing nothing but positive and i think fans are going to enjoy it's it's the fourth version and all four if you think about it have really been dramatically different the first was the first it was huge fans were everywhere then we had the covid then kind of coming out of covid and then this is going to be the return to um hopefully uh, to to something great
1: well, it will be great. We know that because you guys do such a great job and you pledge donations to the community through the Area 313 Challenge during the tournament play. Uh, that's always been very useful, helpful.
3: It, it really has, and we've found a way to adapt every year. I mean, when you don't have fans and, and folks aren't buying hospitality and tickets, you know, some some folks, Jay Farner and, and other companies across Detroit, had to step up in a different way. The PGA Tour was helpful and in assisting with some of that, but then you had Bubba Watson, who said, "I want to make a difference," and he brought his buddies, and he created a platform on the Golf Channel that drove some funds into into the event. So every year, we found ways um, to make a difference, to to impact you know millions of dollars that went into the digital divide and, and other areas. Pal, um, you know, Midnight Golf, um, First Tee, so many great you know, great causes that that we can have a positive impact on. Well,
1: the first one that really uh, sticks out in my mind uh, for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, giving back to the community, was that bridging the digital divide right from the beginning, pointing out that what we take for granted every day. Right? I don't know how many computers we got walking around with us and yeah. all of that. There are people that don't have no, access imagine, at all.
3: Imagine going through COVID without access to, to the internet and right. it's you know where you work, where you get health care, where you learn. All those things are, are negatively impacted and, and we're
1: making a difference. You are making a difference in all of our lives. We thank you for that and uh, as always for supporting this program. Mark Hollis, Chief Operating Officer, Rock Ventures. Thanks to Jason Tinsley, Managing uh, Market Manager for J.P. Morgan, and the amazing Veronica Scott from the Empowerment Plan. And thank you for being with us. I'll talk to you in the mornings from 6 till 9. Regards, Paul W. Smith.